Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. to Marlon Mack. He will get upfield looking, 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 diving. He's got a first down. Marlon Mack up to the 35-yard line. And Marlon Mack picks up five on fourth and two. And a great patient run following his blockers up the field. And the Colts convert. They stay perfect on the season on fourth down. They're now six for six. And the drive continues. Mahomes under center. Hands off to Damian Williams. Stacked up. I don't think he got it. No, sir. Justin Houston. A homecoming of Swords again for the big fella. 99 for the Colts. Knights in there. Gets a tackle for a loss on fourth down. And the Colts take over in plus territory inside the Chief 35-yard line. The Colts win it. The Colts knock off the Chiefs tonight in Arrowhead on Sunday night football. And they spoil the party here in Kansas City. Final score, it's the Colts 19 and the Chiefs 13. Incredible. Easily one of the most impressive regular season wins this franchise has ever, ever seen. 19-13. Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs scored 13 points in a football game, and it was the Colts. And their stingy 85-like bear defense getting the job done in one of the finest defensive performances, certainly, this franchise has ever seen. Regular season, playoff, I don't care the magnitude of the game. Man, God bless the NFL, dude. I love, sports are awesome. Yeah. You know, a week ago, Matt Eberflus should be fired. And then, boom, he, he deserves a game ball. I mean, it's just, it's, it's why we love the NFL. This is why we love sports, uh, especially the, this league, because I feel like things are so week-to-week centric, and it's hard to make these, like, concrete sort of, oh, my gosh, this team is this, th- that team is that. Like, you see, I mean, the Rams losing to the Bucks last week. You know, it just these crazy performances, and the Colts were on the right side of it Sunday night. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, at the beginning of last week, we had everybody, oh, how do you beat the Chiefs? You pray because it's not happening. And then last night, you know, we're booking our tickets to Miami again. So just <laughs> right. like you said, I mean, obviously we didn't see it coming. You know, you don't bleed blue. So, um, <laughs> you know, it would be tough to see it coming on the defensive side uh, of the ball, but a great, great win yeah. for the Colts. I have a feeling we'll get into the old bleeding blue question from the maniac. <laughs> Um, that voice is Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Sorry if it sounds a little scratchy. Running on fumes this morning, but that's part of playing in primetime. Yep. And uh, we're back another edition to Kevin's Corner. A lot of things we like, a couple things we didn't like. We'll hit on heavy Twitter questions, but before we get into it all, Joey, let's just... I, I, even before Jim Mersey said it to his team in the locker room after the game, just how big this regular season win was, I... Certainly, the the comeback over the Bucks in 2003 is just an awesome, thrilling, 30-for-30 30 30 type of game. And, you know, you could throw in the, the, the regular season win over Peyton, you know, in 2013. Uh, or, yeah. um, you know, winning in San Francisco that year when you were a double-digit underdog. And New if England you're comeback, 2009. Say it again. New England comeback, 2009, 4-2. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. The, the Reggie Wayne touchdown. After the play by, I think, maybe Melvin Bullitt in in, in coverage. Was, yes. Um, 
and there's been more important regular season wins. Like we can put important in one category, we can put best in another. Important obviously is season finale last year, win and get in. Like right, the yeah. importance of that speaks for itself. But to do what you did defensively last night, um, it was epic. It, it, it was it was incredible uh, what you were able to do on that side of the ball and the, the adversity you faced last week from a loss at home to the Raiders that you could make an argument was, you know, maybe the worst home loss in the Ballard era. I know the Ballard era isn't super long, and hell, there haven't been many home losses, but it was an ugly, ugly performance. And you were reeling a little bit. And the NFL season is all about there are there's going to be times of adversity throughout the year. And for you to bounce back and not just have this, oh, good effort, 60 minutes, uh, it was a one possession. Colts covered. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, that could have helped out a lot of people. But uh, whoever had the money line, <laughs> they got to be loving that. Like, you finished it off. You won that football game. And I, I just... I don't remember a time when you've won that big of a regular season game. I mean, hell, the Colts, I feel like I've struggled in primetime, you know, a little bit more than, uh, than than maybe most. We talked about on Thursday's podcast, you know, since 2000, they were 1-16 as a double-digit underdog. Mm-hmm. And to win that game and to do it how you did it, we'll get into this a little bit more in things I like, but now you have proven, or at least shown, proven is probably taking a step further, you've shown you're capable of beating anyone anywhere. In this league. And I thought last night you had evidence of what Jim Irsay said all offseason long. Jim Irsay was the most vocal of Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, of any of those guys. Learn from the Kansas City loss. Mm -hmm. Learn from it. That game last night should have meant more. I was glad T.Y. Hilton early in the week was like, if you need motivation for this game, something's wrong with you. Don't give me this candid BS. That game should mean more. You were embarrassed. Got your ass kicked in areas where you think are your strengths. Kansas City beat you at your own game in January. And for you to go in there and execute the the blueprint that we that we talked about, yeah. especially with a banged up defense. Yeah, I mean it's you don't hang banners or you know hand out trophies for regular season wins if you did. That game last night would get one for sure and then going into the bye with it i mean there's oh, just there's, there's so many good dude. things that you, you can sit on this win for two weeks oh, colts nation the food I mean, tastes good the cigar just has a nice extra puff to it i don't even i don't smoke cigars so i have no idea if that's even something that makes sense uh the libations on the flight home i think had an extra kick to them if you know what i mean last yeah night. exactly most definitely well kevin let's do like we do every game we'll start with things you like after a win and you can't really start anywhere besides the defense after last night. We've been vocal on this podcast. I've been vocal on this podcast about my displeasure with this defense at times. Um, I said it last week. And Matt Eberflus, you know, told me, watch this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was an unbelievable performance from him. I actually think his wife maybe favorited a tweet or two that was, uh, that was coming at me last night. So good to see that, you know, it wasn't just Darius Leonard. <laughs> Coming after K Bowen 1070 last night. Yeah. But um I mean, just I mean, there's one point last night early in that game, DeSeers hurt, Kenny Moore's hurt. You know, I tweeted out, is Zach Pascal going both ways in a five A semi state game? <laughs> you know, like I mean has can Chester Rogers play something play yeah. slot corner? I mean, it's just it was it I believe Pascal could too. Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah, if there is one guy on that offense, it is Pascal. It was 
you were decimated in the secondary, um, and yet you found the balance in the rush cover. That's something that we've talked about so often and had been missing the past two weeks. Your defensive line got whipped last week against Oakland. I thought they set the tone last night. Not 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 just stopping the run, less than three yards per carry, which was huge, but to be disciplined in your rush lanes against that guy, teams don't do that enough. Mm-hmm. And if we really want to nitpick, sure, Kamoko Terry, and we'll talk about his injury later, he probably got sucked in just a hair too much on the crazy third and 18 cheat code type play that Mahomes had on the touchdown. But outside of that, you sack Mahomes four times. He'd been sacked three times all year. Mm-hmm. All year. So you disrupted the timing up front. And then I thought from the first drive on, I'm looking out there at that secondary, I'm thinking, man, those corners are close to the line of scrimmage. And, like, a lot of them are. Yeah. Like, Rocky Seen, uh, hell, Shaq Taylor coming in the game. Like, you had all these guys, not like outright press man every snap, jam, 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 but just a little bit more of, like, Sammy Watkins is gone. Tyreek Hill is gone. Don't let Demarcus Robinson right. Beat us. and Brian yeah. Sour Cream and Onion Pringle, you know, get these free releases, you know? It's just, I, I thought that was so important and, and so refreshing to see because we talked about that last Monday. Give me more sticky coverage. G- mm-hmm. Give me more of that. Disrupt the timing earlier in routes, and they had that last night. Uh, the Kenny Moore blitz got home. What a great play. I can't wait to watch that. Um, that that move the 5-9 more made to get underneath that tackle. Um, and I thought Andy Reid was pretty honest after the game. Like, they were banged up in the secondary. We're going to throw the football. I agree. With, I mean, Colts had two safeties active. Right. Two. Two safeties. George Odom was a college linebacker. Um. So, yeah, I, I thought also early on what I liked from the secondary, and I guess the linebacker should be in this group as well because Bobby Okariki made some big-time plays for you in pass coverage. The moments of truth, the 50-50 moments, the Colts won more of them. And I just thought that impacted some things. You know, Kelsey probably dropped or had a few catchable balls he didn't bring in. And I thought you just, you just were better when the ball was in the air than you were a week prior. And Mahomes, I mean, hell, some of his incompletions early in the game were incredible throws. And yet you did a, a, an absolutely beautiful job. Um, I, I mean, the numbers tell it all. 13 points. It's the Kansas City team that's, what, scored twenty at least 25 and 25 straight games or something like that. And um, the, the, the play that I want to keep on coming back to, <laughs> and it's just such a crazy play, is the George Odom tackle on third and 28. I'm sitting there, I'm saying, oh my God, they're going to pick this up. And we're going to look at that play and think, this this might go down as the fake punt play of the Frank Reich era. You know, like yeah. just one of those plays that you just always remember of mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. Because you were playing with fire in that second half. Moving the ball, possessing the ball, but well, all right, Adam Vinatieri is cleaning up the four four-foot par putt, and I know you aren't a golfer, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. And, I know enough. I can yeah. grasp that. Yeah, and, and, and kudos to Vinny for hitting all those chip yep. shots because he, he needed to, and he's kicking out outdoors, so a hat tip to him as well. But you were playing with fire. You know, you were settling for three, settling for, for, for three, not putting the nail in the coffin. And Odom has the pass interference penalty on the, on the play before, N- negates two points, potentially could have been a game-clinching safety. 
He comes back the very next play, and I've gone back and watched it. If you screenshot when, I think it was Pringle, Pringle uh, breaks a tackle of Kari Willis, and Kelsey, I want to say, is blocking Quincy Wilson on the play. I mean, if you screenshot where Odom is and where Pringle is, three yards short of the sticks, you're thinking easy. Uh, not easy first down, but, like, he's going to get it. Yeah. He's going to get this first down. And there's George Odom, who I always feel like his energy has never been questioned. You know, at times last year it was maybe a little bit too much. But he he knows what he's going to do, and he's going to do it. In term, Now, again, might be a bit, bit aggressive at times, but he made a big-time tackle. The Justin Houston fourth-and-one play will get replayed on every highlight show today, and his reaction afterwards was pretty bleeping awesome. But that play by Odom was mm-hmm. just so big because think about how deflating that would have been. Oh, man. You give up third and 28. It's like we come this far just for Mahomes' magic to happen. I mean, call me crazy, but we probably, I probably might be a little bit too aggressive. We we were talking about a loss. I mean, maybe talking about a loss. You know, they obviously still had a ton of field to go, but just all the momentum from that. Um, yeah, and, and and Justin Houston, pat on the back. You know, the, the, the sack, I think, forced a field goal early in that game, which I thought the Colts won in the red zone. A lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, two huge plays from a guy that's been quiet. He's been quiet the first four four months of the year. I, I mentioned that on, on Thursday's podcast, and uh, what a time to wake up. You know, he said after the game that he honestly thought his son was more pissed he got released than he was. <laughs> so it was kind of motivation for, for Junior, and he brought out the line. It's like, you know. I got the new girlfriend now, and I want everyone to see what the new the new girlfriend looks like. And obviously, oh, yeah. talking about the Colts and uh, yeah, I mean his reaction said it all in terms of what that game meant to him. The Colts kind of mobbed him after the game in the post game locker room. And again, I, I Matt Eberflus job well done to get your unit to believe to change some things up coverage wise. He got better play out of his front four, which I thought was big. Um, a little bit more man coverage as well. And, yeah, one of the finest defensive performances this franchise has ever, ever, ever had. Well, besides all that that needed to be done on the defensive side of the ball last night, Kevin, we knew that running the ball was going to be key for the Colts' offense. That's what they did. You know, people were probably sick and tired of me saying it last week, but I echoed it a lot. Be Wisconsin. Be Wisconsin. You know, possess the ball. Pound it. Um... Assert assert your dominance with a punishing rushing game. The Chiefs suck in stopping the run. They do. They're terrible. So not only was it the best way for you to try and win the football game, obviously the byproduct of that is time of possession. And the Colts possessed it for nearly 15 minutes more than the Chiefs. I want to say after the first quarter, the Colts had it like, nearly 20 minutes more than the Chiefs the rest of the game. And that is the exact blueprint to beat them. You know, we, we, we have touched on this podcast back in January and again last week. The Colts have the makeup to beat Kansas City. They, 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 they do, or at least make it very, very competitive because they are such a punishing offensive line and can have the sort of rushing efforts that they did. And once Kansas City started having a few injuries on that D-line, Feed him. Feed Marlon Mack. 
And I'll tell you what, for a guy that was a game-time decision, <laughs> boy, I think he had 29, maybe 29 carries, career high for him. Um, Yeah, just a, a dominating, punishing performance from that offensive line. You know, I think NBC threw up that graphic during the game. That, that unit's played every snap together this season. I think they're the only O-line in football that's played every snap together. And it was just slowly, methodically, move your way down the field and do it with your greatest strength against their biggest weakness. And it, it was the exact blueprint that you should have used, I think, more in January and just didn't. You just weren't effective with it. Marlon Mack had nine rushing yards on five carries in that entire first half. Um, but that was just an old-style football game. The Colts are the contrarian. They want to be the contrarian in today's NFL. They want to ground it and punish it. And especially when, and we'll get into this a little bit later, Jacoby Brissett was not great, really. Last night, the passing offense struggled. You know, T.Y. Hilton was he limited at all? You know, he made some big catches. Um, Kansas City clearly was trying to take him away. You know, with, with a lot of those double teams, um, so you had to rely on your run game. I mean, hell, he had one drive that was like fourteen play, thirty yard drive, but ate up a ton of clock. It yeah. was. I felt like I was watching Navy or Wisconsin play football. I mean, that's that's what I felt like. It was just kind of like, all right, four yards, all right, three yards, okay, third and two. Run it again, fourth and one. Run it again. Right. Well, you that's know? what it was really demoralizing more than yeah. anything, man. I mean, just because, like you said, you knew they were in four down territory, basically midfield on, even when they were winning, you know. And so when you can't stop it, and you know it's coming, and they're going to be on the field for four downs, I mean, the Chiefs just look like, you know, like I'm sure how Ryan Bowen looked like with you when you were just pushing them around in the backyard <laughs> back in the day. God, I needed that. I needed to pick <laughs> me up on this Monday morning, man. After. Four hours of sleep. Thank you for that. Boy, Ryan's not going to be happy about that comment. But, I mean, it was just total, you know, they knew it was coming and they couldn't do anything about it. You use the word demoralizing, and I think that's perfect. It is just so demoralizing when you out-bully an opponent. And once the Chiefs started getting those injuries, you know, Clark's getting banged up. Chris Jones is getting banged up. Uh, I mean, how Kansas City might have ended the game with more injuries than the, than the Colts ended the game with. Um, it was just... Yeah, man, that was just a mean, it was a mean, and again, you got your ass kicked in that area back in January. Yeah. I mean, this should have, as much as a redemption game for Justin Houston, how about a statement game for that O-line? That was an embarrassing effort in January out of that group, and that was not embarrassing, that was embarrassing what you did to Kansas City last night, and just slowly just stirring that stew and um, that was the blueprint you had to have, and you executed it nearly flawlessly. One thing that was really clear from the get-go and we're seeing more and more coming out about even beforehand was the belief from Frank Reich. The belief within that coach's room, without that lo- within that locker room that, hey, this is going to be one of those games that people are going to say, holy cow, that's, that's crazy. You know, I think it's something where Frank Reich gives his team confidence week in and week out of like, we're going to come up with a game plan that is going to give us a chance to win this game. Is it going to be executed perfectly? Is it going to be exactly right 16 weeks out of the year? No. But at least it makes you all believe. And if you all believe, that's some half of the battle. You know, that that is that goes a long, long way because 
there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of head coaches in this league that I don't think fifty three guys in that locker room fully believe in. Um, and I think Frank Reich is one of those rare coaches, and you know, I, I, I we talked about it on Thursday's podcast. He was prepared to be very aggressive. He didn't really have to do anything too, like crazy. I mean, hell, Chris Collinsworth, I thought was just gonna. Yeah, I, uh, Collins are so funny when there's something that he just gets hooked on, oh my and he just for like, you know, four or five straight game minutes. That's all he'll talk no, about. No, I mean, I, his wife can't turn him on as much as Frank Wright going <laughs> forward on fourth down. I mean, it was like even when the Chiefs are on offense, sometimes he'll, I, I feel like he would have been like, I mean, you know, you got Frank Reich who's just gonna <laughs> go for it, and then Al Michaels is like, what? Are you? This is they're not even on offense. Yeah, Al Michaels like, can we just talk about the over under and gambling the whole time? Because <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I guess you saw the flea flicker and end around, but nothing like absurdly crazy. No, out of Frank Reich, but I think he was ready and prepared to do that if necessary, and you know, he he mentioned. All week long, just the feeling was different. Um, was adamant that the defense practiced, you know, flawlessly. Had a terrific Wednesday practice, and you know, as I was saying earlier, Joey, does this all of a sudden mean the Colts go thirteen and three and earn a bye? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, does it mean that they're as bad as they were, you know, last week? No, I mean, you take out your highs to highs, take out your lowest to lows, and, and you find somewhere yep. in the middle of that. But what it does. It proves to your locker room that this type of performance can happen. And it's not just an effort performance where you gave 58 minutes of great effort on the road and you came up just short. No, you finished it off. You left that stadium with a win. And now you're 3-2 and two going into the bye week. And I, I, I kind of looked at last night of like, obviously I expected the Colts to lose. Um but I looked at it as this is like a barometer of like, okay, can you get to that level? Elite quarterbacks, they've shredded this team. And sure, Patrick Mahomes is a little bit gimpy and he's missing Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. You know, he's missed Tyreek Hill all season long. Yeah. And he, they've still put up some crazy amount of points and yards. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from this defense because how would you play against the game's elite? That has been a fair question and it, you know, needed to be asked, and they failed pretty much every time. They've been asked to play one of those quarterbacks, but for one night in early October, they got it done. Now it's, again, about the consistency and doing it time in and time out. Who knows, man? I, I you know, sign up for that rematch in January, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then, you know, the Colts did themselves a favor with a the tiebreaker there last night, just yeah. in case it comes down to that. And, and I think that's actually a good point in terms of you're 3-2, and two, and you won the two most important games you needed to in the first five weeks. It yeah. was the at Tennessee and at Kansas City. The Chargers continue to to just Ugh. look terrible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> just think about how sour that taste was a week ago Monday and now how much you flipped that in one week going into the bye where you should get healthy for a huge game against the Texans coming out of the bye week. Well, Kevin, even with a big win last night, there's still always a couple of those things that you just didn't like too much. And we'll start. You mentioned it. Didn't think Jacoby had too great of a night throwing the ball. No, um, I didn't. Maybe his worst game yet. Yeah, I mean, here this season. But it's just funny because you don't even really think about it at all. No, you, you don't. Know? But, I mean, this is, you know, this is part of 
right. critically evaluating every game. Um, I mean, his numbers certainly would not indicate that that, that he played well at all, but I, I do like to go a little bit deeper than that. It's just, you know, something that I mentioned last week, and I will continue to say, being decisive and locking on to receivers. You've got to find the fine line there. He clearly locked on. Was it Ebron? I think Ebron he targeted. Honey Badger came over. Yeah, on, on the INT, just locked on the left side of the field. Honey Badger makes an easy pick. Uh, probably the one guy on that defense you need to look off. I mean, he he's their ball hawk. He's their playmaker. And he catches an interception like it was, you know, routes versus air sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think if we're going to talk about this team, you know, winning games in January, the Jacoby Brissett we've seen the last two weeks is, has got to get a little bit better. We, we we need to see some some improvements in that area because right now the blueprint of last night, pounding the football, that, that carries a heavy burden. You're not going to face the 32nd-ranked rush defense, one of the worst rushing defenses in NFL history. You're not going to see that. Week in and week out. Um, just not a lot down the field. I mean, NBC also threw up that graphic of, you know, how many completions he had further than 10 yards last night. I mean, obviously the huge pass interference penalty to Deion Kane, but that's a ball that I even think if he throws earlier, you could have had, you know, maybe yep. maybe touchdown. Something like that. And um, just want to see a little bit more from 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 the quarterback. I think all in all, you know, after his first five games, probably still been a little bit slightly better than I expected. But I think my expectations maybe were a bit lower than I think some fans' expectations were for him. Um, but if we're going to talk about this team, you know, winning in January, I just eat handling blitzes better as well. It seems like when that blitz comes, that that, that hot read is kind of missing. Yeah. It's just like uh, try to get, you know, out of the pocket if I can and just almost throw it away and I think those things have got to change because now there's more film on him in Frank Reich's system you know people um, are going to try and replicate you know some of the struggles that they've seen here out of him in the past few weeks and yeah it's just you just you cannot you have to move your defense you have to move a defense with your eyes you, you just you have to do that and I think at times um, it gets a little bit too locky if you will, for uh, for number seven. Late in the game last night, we saw Kamoko Ture go down. Do we have any update on him, what it looked like? We don't. You know, obviously we're coming at you Monday morning, 9 a.m. Um, Frank Reich's conference call is a little bit later today. I think it's 5 o'clock because they got back late. Um, I mean, the replay looked horrible. You know, it, it, it didn't look good. I was kind of in and out of sleeping, but I saw he was down. Yeah, so. it was probably a good thing you were. Um, you know, Reese Fountain even tweeted like, you know, mm. you know, something of the effect of "I pray that that's not the pain that I've gone through." It just, it, 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 it didn't look good. Um, you could hear the audible scream from him. Ugh. Yeah, on, on the TV copy and man, Torrey was good last night too. He gave you three hurries. I think he had a half sack, and he's your best speed edge rusher. He is. You know, ben Banigou played zero snaps mm-hmm. for you on defense last night. Jabal Sheard, of course, back in the starting lineup. That, that that contributes to it. But, you know, you talk about pure speed rusher, that's where a guy like Ture really, really comes into play for you. Um, so I think that's something that it not only, you know, hurts um, 
you know, your pass rush here in 2019, if he is out for a significant amount of time, but you think about his own development. You know, he's such a key ingredient for this defense moving forward. I mean, if you're talking about the future of the Colts' defense, I mean, you could make the argument that Kamoko Turi might be more important than, like, Malik Hooker. I mean, if you have a dominant edge rusher, a, a double-digit sack guy year in and year out, to me that's harder to find than it is to find a a safety. Yeah. Um, now, I know Hooker does a lot, of, a lot of good for you, but I think you would put Leonard, Hooker, and Turi in terms of their future development for this defense right atop that list. Obviously, Turi's got a long way to go, but um, he was showing some some flashes and – um, hopefully it's not it's not too serious for him. All right, man. You want to do some Twitter questions? Yes, let's do them. All right. All right, let's go with at Smooth Smith. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Brissette season. They chime in uh, basically every week. Do you feel more like the Raiders' loss was a fluke loss or the Chiefs' win was a fluke win? Well, I think both were flukes to a degree. Um, but I think what we've seen the first five weeks is this team is – Closer to, I think they're closer to a playoff caliber team than maybe I thought at the start of the season. I mean, that's a, that's the toughest stretch you're going to have all year, in my opinion. And you go three and two. Um, I, 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 it's tough for me to give like that perfect answer of like, man, I really know what this football team is right now because there's been injuries, there's been these ups and downs, but I think. The team we saw really kind of in that Tennessee Atlanta stretch. Yes, I think that's kind of what this team is. Um, now, how do you react to this win? You bounce back to the from that Oakland loss just flawlessly. How do you react now when hey, the NFL world's talking about you? Mm-hmm. This is something that's been a little bit different. Um, that that would be something that'll be very curious. But I, honestly, I think almost the buy helps you. You know, it will lose a little bit of that luster when you come back for that for sure. Texans game. And I think having the Texans after the bye, that's a lock-in week big time. That's not, you know, the Dolphins or the Broncos. That right. is a boom. Let's get focused because, honestly, the Texans game means more than the Chiefs game if you're looking at record and division and all that stuff. From Drew Rush, how long do you think it will take Brissett to break the habit of staring down receivers? Yeah, I, it's something that again, I I know the Colts want him to be decisive. They 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 do. They want the quick rhythm stuff, but it's got to change. Some of that's got to change, and more vertical passing has got to change. You know, everyone likes to throw out the luck stats compared to the Brissett stats through the first you know four or five games, and it's like, okay, luck was coming back from the shoulder. No Costanzo, no Mac. It, you know, it, there are a lot of issues for that. And I know Hilton was out for a game, but. Things have got to get more vertical for the passing game. And it should, because there should be these eight-man sort of boxes. There, there need to be more opportunities in the passing game down the field. And I, I, I would think that that's something that needs to change for Brissett. And, and, I, and I guess the question is just like, is that who he is? Like, is this, you know, and these are all the questions we need to have as we critically evaluate him this year. Who is Jacoby Brissett? Who is he? Because I am such a proponent in this league of you need a top 10 caliber quarterback to win and win annually in this league. You've got to find out this year because you have some draft. Even if you go like whatever, nine and seven, something like that, um, you have the draft capital if you're really enamored with some rookie quarterback. And 
look at what the team you played last night did. I mean, Alex Smith was competent. He was a competent quarterback, seemed to fit Andy Reid's system pretty well. The Chiefs were making the playoffs. They were having home games in the playoffs. And they're like, screw that. We're trading up from 20-whatever, 29, 27. We're going to get Patrick Mahomes. Same thing with the Houston Texans. Now, they didn't have, I think, an Alex Smith-type quarterback. But boom, they go flying up the board to get Deshaun Watson. If you love a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, you just can't say no. Can't pass it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Casey with a K, red zone efficiency aside, this game has to be the exact blueprint that Ballard wants for his team. I mean, pretty darn close, Casey. I mean, pretty darn close. If you would have showed me those red zone numbers, Joey, before the game, and Adam Vinatieri kicked three field goals, I would have been like, no way the Colts win this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, hell, if the Colts scored 19 points, I thought <laughs> I thought the Chiefs would cover. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, that is yeah, that, that that's that's it. That is, it's the old style. It's what every general manager probably has preached at sometimes. Stop the run, run the you know, run the ball, play good defense. But again, to do it against that juggernaut. That's a different animal. From Clayton Clifford, he says, since Maddie didn't get to my question a few weeks ago, I'll ask again. Through the first few games of the season, how do you grade the relevant 2019 draft picks? A to F, school grade style. Who's your biggest surprise? Who's your biggest Ooh, dis- disappointment? It's a lot. Um, happy birthday, Mads, by the way. She turned 30 yesterday. Um, all right. A through F. Corey Willis is getting an A-. Is Corey Willis going to start for Clayton Gatherson? Man, when he came flying through, uh, when the Chiefs were backed up like that. That was a thump. That was nice. That was a thump. The audible scream after that play, too, mm-hmm. out of him. Yeah, that was a quiet arrowhead. Um, He's been an A-. minus. Paris Campbell, D+, plus, C-. Minus. I mean, he's averaged six yards per catch. Like, I, I just can't go, yeah. you know, very high. Um, Who else we got? Bobby Okariki. Uh, Psst. C plus B minus. Mm-hmm. It's a making mm-hmm. season early. I thought he was outstanding. I thought he made some big plays l- l- last night for you. Um, Banagoo, eh, whatever. You know, kind of an NA at this point. Yeah, right? almost NA for him. EJ Speed, same thing. EJ Speed and Ben Banagoo didn't play a single defensive snap last night for you. And if, with Turay out, like I said, Banagoo's going to play more. Who am I forgetting? Oh, Rock. Um, I might say like. C plus B minus as well, maybe for for Rock. Um, there's definitely been some plays for sure, and I think getting thrown in there as a rookie corner um, can be difficult. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm I'm probably forgetting somebody else. But uh, Marvell Tell, yeah, in um, a, I mean, he got his first defensive snaps last night. Yeah, um, and it, even your other rookies, Ashton Doolin and Shaq Taylor, and all those guys. But it's still, or I mean, these are. Very loose grades. I don't, you know, you're five games into your NFL season. From Sam, do you think Jacoby will become more decisive in his progressions as he gets more time, or is this who he is? Million-dollar question, Sam. I mean, that's exactly what I just mentioned earlier. Million-dollar question. Um, I've seen it a little bit too often early on, but if he can't grow out of that, that's an issue because you've got, the perfect run game for any quarterback. Quarterbacks would dream. Andrew Luck dreams or would have dreamt of having a run game like he had, like Jacoby Brissett has. Mm-hmm. So um, he, he he has to get it corrected in, in, in my mind 
um, for him to become that sort of top 10 quarterback that I think is necessary to consistently win in the NFL. But um, that's an unknown, and he, I think he definitely has the right coaches to to try and get that corrected. From at Colt Caps, what are we supposed to do now since they're on a bye week? Party. I was going to say, yeah. You can't draw up a better win to go in the bye week with. Mm-hmm. You get two weeks of just trash talking anybody you want to. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that, that that's perfect. I, I Yeah, enjoy it, bask it, maybe watch the game again, you know, have a drink, whatever. Um, I'd say Saturday, just bathe in the fact that you don't have to stress about a Colts game the next day. Yeah. Bet on some college football day, you know, just kick back. And then Sunday, spend most of the early part of the day going to the pumpkin patch, the apple orchard. Nice. nice. You know, make the missus happy. Mm-hmm. Get your Instagram pictures out of the way. Yep. You don't got to worry about a game. You can, and, and whenever you're like, man, this kind of sucks, you just think back to last night. And you're good to go, and then you can come back and watch uh, Red Zone all day after that. Chiefs-Texans next Sunday. Oh, wow. Okay. That'll be a game that I think has some some attention. So, yeah, apple cider from the orchard, mm-hmm. boom, come back on the couch. You want to spike it, spike it. If not, go with that. Um, yeah, Joey just laid out a beautiful, beautiful weekend for you, beautiful fall weekend here in the heartland. And, uh, yeah, just, just, <laughs> just enjoy it. Oh, my God. That would have been, damn. What a, what a win! I, I I can't I can't I can't stop I know stop saying it. It's it was it was incredible. From Richard, couple items says I was quite impressed by how well the offense consistently overcame early down penalties, but was most impressed with Quincy's coverage on Travis Kelsey throughout the evening. Anything you saw that made him more successful than last week? Well, uh, first kudos to Quincy Wilson, a guy that I think at the start of the night was expected to be your third safety. Then he gets thrown into the fire at corner when you're battling some injuries. And then once he got back healthy, he kind of played in that dime package and gave you a bigger body to throw at Travis Kelsey. And, you know, I, I think for Quincy, it's been decent coverage all year long, maybe a little bit handsy at times. But again, it's at the moment of truth. Can you make a play on the ball? And I thought last night he was really good in that area and just made Patrick Mahomes force some ball in some tight windows uh, to Travis Kelsey. And he was part of the brigade. There were a lot of guys throwing at Kelsey. And, um, yeah, just game ball certainly to Matt Eberflus and that special teams unit, or and that, uh, excuse me, secondary. Matt T. asks, is Marlon Mack a top-five running back? He is so smooth running the ball. He looks a lot like Le'Veon Bell to me. High praise. High praise. I, I did think last night maybe was even more patient. You know, he had that one run on, was it third and short, when he kind of just pushed Braden Smith in the back. Yeah. He just kind of guide, yep. you know, guide me, lead me to the promised land. Um, yeah. Well, Le'Veon Bell is high praise. What do you say? Did he say top-five running back? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm still probably – a little bit outside of that for Marlon Mack. But, man, he is, for a fourth-round pick, what a great find by Chris Ballard. And he's always been a big reason why I've just like, you don't need to go pay Bell. You don't need to draft Josh Jacobs. Like, this position behind that offensive line, you need somebody, but you don't need to invest crazy amount of resources into that group. You just, you just, you just don't. And... Marlon Mack is a really, really good runner in this league. 
from uh, Brett Stockglasner. He wants to know, where in the world is Paris Campbell? The whole point was for him to take the top off of defenses, and I'm not sure he even saw the field last night. Well, no, he, he did not. He was home. Uh, procedure on his abdominal, which I guess could mean, like, um, I, I, I don't know. Like, is it hernia? Is it ribs? Uh, you know, it, it's something that doesn't sound great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, procedure for him last week. Didn't practice at all. Came back into that game against the Raiders, and it must have flared up afterwards. And yeah, you know, it's just been a a little bit of a disappointing start for him. And Deion Kane, wow, what a beautiful grab he made on the sidelines last night. Drew the pass interference penalty. You know, kind of a quiet night for for him. And you know, those are the guys that we point to, Joey, when we talk about this season. Of like, okay, are you going to be eight and eight, nine and seven, or are you going to go eleven and five and be that third team in the AFC going in the playoffs? You know, like those are the guys. Yeah, Banagu now potentially with Ture, you know, being out. Um, Campbell, Kane, those are the guys that can give the potential of the season a little bit more oomph. From Scotty, he says Ty didn't look one hundred percent but still went out and played despite the bye week right around the corner for extra rest. Can you talk about what his presence means for the offense and the whole team? It's hard to honestly accurately put it into words, Scotty, um, but I guess you're listening to this because you want me to do that. Um, so I'll try to. You know, kind of a knock on him coming out of Florida mm-hmm. International, Joey, was his durability. I mean, he's 5'9", 180 on a good day. The dude's missed like five games in his NFL career. Played eight seasons. I mean, that is just remarkable durability. Missed his first game, actually, of his NFL career. Didn't play in that Chicago game. Um, It's just been so durable, so reliable. And I did think NBC did a really nice job last night of showing the the attention Hilton was getting, particularly on third down and in the red zone. Um, They weren't going to let T.Y. Hilton beat them. And, boy, if I'm the Houston Texans, I might want to watch that. Yeah. But... He brings that presence. So now it's 10 against 9 when you have the 2 against 1 of what Kansas City was doing to Hilton. And that opens things up in the run game. It should open things up for one-on-one matchups elsewhere, you know, uh, among that pass-catching group. And he is so, so needed for this offense um, to be put into a position where there are favorable matchups elsewhere. You just you can't—when he's not on the field— you can't scheme up that presence. No one else is going to command that attention. I mean, I know at times they double the Ebron, but you know Ebron has another drop. It's just there's no one else in that pass catching group that is going to sniff, you know, Steve Spagnola or you know whatever insert Romeo Cornell here that is going to sniff of like, hey, we should probably double that guy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just guys just don't do that on this football team, but Hilton certainly does it. Connor Raymer wants to know, is it time to give Reich a, quote, Gruden deal and lock him up for a decade? <laughs> he says, I'm sold. And says the transition from Pagrixen to competent management and coach is euphoric to the point of forgetting the sting of luck leaving. Games like last night just verify the Ballard mantra of more than one player. Connor, was that who said yep. that? Oh, I think a lot of truth behind that, Connor. I mean, to me, contracts in today's NFL and today's sports, they mean virtually nothing. 
<laughs> you know, like what I mean. Okay, Jim Merceos, you know, Ryan Grixon, Chuck Pagano, a few more dollars. Bobby Bonilla, is he still getting money from the Mets? Yeah. You know, it's just like contracts mean nothing. You know, Frank Reich is a hell, hell of a football coach. And I feel at times like some people in that organization are like worried about what people think about Frank Reich. I'm like, Frank Reich's a damn good football coach. I don't think anyone is like. Oh, and worried in what way? Just kind of like. Do people really believe in Frank Reich, or like you know, do they think because he was a seventh or eighth option for uh, Chris? Ballard? It's kind of like I think we've moved past that. Like Chris Ballard, we'll admit to you, he was fortunate. Yeah, but when you had to reassess things, it looks like he got it right. And from a play calling, instilling belief into your program, Frank Reich does it. So I mean, hell, ten years, one year. I mean, Frank Reich, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. From Lucas, what shocked you the most from last night's game? Obviously the defense. And I think that's what we have to separate. Like, the run game blueprint was great. Very good. It should have been good. The Chiefs can't stop you, me, Dockets, JMV, and Big Joe. Like, they can't stop anyone running the football. So, it should have, that rushing performance should have been there. It's still notable to mention it. Because it's it's difficult to, you know, properly do that when you didn't do it back in January. But the defense, I mean, that was it was stunning to me without Malik Hooker, without Darius Leonard, um, to survive the early injuries, and that's when you gave up, you know, your 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 ten points pretty quickly. I mean, you did you did something no NFL team has even sniffed, really, over the past couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was easily, easily the most shocking. Laura wants to know, after that performance, are we going to start seeing Kari Willis eclipse Clayton Gathers in the snap count after the bye week? God, Laura asks good questions every week. Um, Boy, Joey. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm a big Clayton Gathers guy, but Kari Willis brings you something. And we we touched on this last week. If there was a blessing in disguise with the Gathers injury, it moved Kari Willis from more of the center fielder to more of the pitcher's helper or whatever you want to throw in there, yeah. I guess. If we're going to stick with the baseball reference. He's playing closer to the action, to the line of scrimmage. That's where he's best suited. Um, and then George Odom came on the field and provided the, the, the free safety look. So, you know, I'll be really curious to see in late October how that safety rotation looks especially with, you know, Hooker potentially being back for that Houston game. Michael Taylor wants to know, was last night more about Mahomes being hurt or the defense actually showing up? I'm not going to sit here and act like Patrick Mahomes was 100%. I like watching him, though, Joey. That's probably the most obvious statement in the world, but Patrick Mahomes is fun to watch. Yeah. I think he gets it, too. Like his fire... Like yeah. his, you know, like his competitive nature to him. Um, It'd be more fun if we didn't have to have, you know, a TED talk going on while he's playing about him. Like, yeah. You, know, you got that simultaneously every time. It's just like, all right, man. Yeah, I think geez. it was maybe Jake Query tweeted last night, like, I know Colts fans are bitching about all the Mahomes talk, but think about how it was with Manning, <laughs> you, know, back, you know, yeah, back, very true. Back, back for a decade. And um, you, you just forget how 
how young he is. And again, he was limited, but I don't want to undermine the Colts' defensive effort. Like, was Patrick Mahomes 100%? No. Was Tyreek? But look, no Malik Hooker, no no Darius Leonard. I mean, the injuries almost, I'm sure you can make an argument, like they almost cancel each other out with what both teams were were, were missing. So, um, you know, maybe a healthier Mahomes makes a couple of those throws, but man, I, I, I'm not taking anything away from what Matt Eberflus's unit did. From Preston Brown, national headline seems to be Chiefs lost versus Colts win. How does this narrative change? What needs to happen in your opinion? Mm, I mean, Peter King gave a lot of attention to the Colts in that Monday morning quarter or football in America. Yeah. I mean, sure, I guess the Chiefs, the undefeated team lost. Like, that's notable. They scored 25 straight points in every game, you know, 13 points last night. Yeah, it probably is going to be a little bit more about the Chiefs, but... I still think there's a lot of chatter there for the Colts of, like, this team does things differently than a lot of teams in today's NFL, and that can win in late December and early January. So, I mean, I think if you're going to be, like, rank the AFC teams right now through the first five weeks, Colts or Ravens in the third spot in the AFC? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the Bills? Um. But yeah, it's right. I mean, Colts. after last night, probably you know the Colts. Yeah, just because yeah, of an impressive win like that and what they can do for sure, for sure. Uh, from Matt, how big of a loss is Ture to this defense? Well, it, it's huge, Matt. I mean, he's he's a virtual starter for you. Plays on those rundowns. He's your best speed edge rusher. Um, you know, I guess your third down package without him would look like Houston Autry sheared, which. That's not ideal because those three guys start. So now it's like, okay, are they playing three downs all game long? You know, where's Banigou fit in? Al-Kadeen Muhammad, I guess you could throw in there. It, it, it's a it's a big loss. I feel like at times, Joey, we're going to say late in the season, where was the speed edge rush? Yeah. You know, what? What? where was that? Uh, but, again, I, we're obviously committing to Terry's season being over, which the replays look terrible. But we'll we'll see what the confirmation is on that. From David, two part question: One, when will Mister Bowen, and take that being you, be officially verified? And in all seriousness, top problems that's led to the Colts ultimately not being undefeated as they definitely could be. Yeah, I, the whole verification. You know, I lost it a few years ago when I had to change my Twitter account. Um, it, it's a long process, man. Yeah, it's a pain. Yeah, Jack, uh, old Jack from Twitter doesn't mess around. Um, why aren't the Colts five and zero? Well, the defense. I mean, the first four weeks wasn't great by any means. The run defense was particularly putrid. Uh, Adam Vinatieri did not kick the football very well at all in the first couple of games, and the passing offense just hasn't been there. I mean, those are. I mean, it's not. Let's not sit here and act like the Colts have been perfect uh, by any means. You know, I gave them a B minus. I think through. The first four weeks, I'd bump that letter grade up to probably a B plus, uh, maybe even borderline A minus after uh, last night's effort. From Scott, after that win last night, do you foresee Ballard getting aggressive and making any trades or acquisitions to further strengthen the roster? We have the money. I don't. Yeah, I mean, resources have never been an issue. You know, Colts have had plenty of them, but I don't think you'll see anything too panicky out of Ballard. I think he'll want to see this roster healthy moving forward. Uh, what trade deadline I think is the end of October, somewhere around then. So, I, you know, 
the juicy names of whatever, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Ramsey, whoever. Is A.J. Green on the trade block? I don't, I, I don't even know. He hasn't played. But I think it'll be pretty status quo, and um, I think that's how uh, that's how the Colts will move forward. All right, let's see. A couple more here. Um, from Hunter, how do you feel that the maniac said you don't bleed blue? <laughs> Should we be concerned about Darius? Brings back bad memories with luck. Haven't heard much. Well, let's start with the concussion aspect of it before we get into Darius Leonard's tweet. Um, you know, practice all week, Joey. I, I was a little surprised um, that that he didn't pass the concussion protocol in play. But as we say always with concussions, you're uncertain just how guys are going to react to full contact to things like that. You know, Ryan Kelly a few years ago, remember he missed like a month, went on IR with a concussion. Quincy Wilson, Quincy Wilson missed three weeks last year. So, I mean, Leonard is on the far end of that spectrum, especially when it's like he played the entire game when he was concussed, you know, and then the symptoms developed afterwards. Usually you think those are a little bit more minor than concussions that obviously happened, to, unfortunately, to Mason Rudolph yesterday, which is just a horrifying play. Um, as far as the Leonard tweet, uh, what, what what exactly was it? I don't bleed blue because you don't bleed blue. You said something about how you were surprised or even shocked about the defensive performance so far, and he quote tweeted and said, "That's because you don't bleed blue." Man, what's the old don't like? We technically all bleed blue, but then once oxygen hits your blood, I was going to say right. Yeah, no one gone, really bleeds blue. Should I have gone there with red. him? I was going to, but I knew he was probably bored just sitting at home and was going to snap back. Look, I know that you don't want to say a whole bunch about this <laughs> stuff because it's, you know, you. But, I mean, people who are coming at you with that, it's just ridiculous. Like, you didn't get roasted by him. What are you going to do? Like, it's your job to cover this team professionally, objectively, not be a fanboy up there waving your pom-poms with a forehead, you know, or with a horseshoe stamped <laughs> on your forehead. Like, it's just so stupid, dude, and yeah, that was annoying to me. But Thank you, yeah, for saying all that. Yeah, m- my tweet was, three straight drives by the Chiefs, zero points allowed by the Colts. Not something I would have expected coming into tonight. Strong work by that side of the ball, considering the opposition. Man, that's a pretty friendly tweet by me. And Leonard with a retweet, because you don't bleed blue. Yeah, as Joey says, I am paid to be objective. You listen to this podcast and read and follow because I am objective. Um... Dude, it's just, I'm not even, like, mad at him at all, really, because it's just, like, athletes, they really just don't get what the media's job is. It's not to be a fanboy. It's not to be a fangirl. You have to be, the whole gatekeeping aspect of it, hell, we see it in politics on a daily basis, you need to be objective. You need to be critical when it's time to be critical. You need to be complimentary when it's time to be comp. Complimentary. Like, that's just how life is in Journalism Integrity 101. That's how it's supposed to be. And, um, yeah, it's, it, yeah. And I think the worst part about all that, too, the part that bothered me the most is literally the entire week leading up to last night's game. There's maybe five guys. I don't care what you say. Everybody's full of crap if they come and say, oh, well, I saw this coming. No, you didn't. Right. You give up 30 points, 30 plus points to the Raiders at home the week before, and you're saying you're going to go to Kansas City, and the whole week you're like, oh, yeah, I got faith. Yeah. It's like baloney, dude. You're going to tweet at Tony Dungy, who picked 
<laughs> who pick the Chiefs and right. be like, you don't bleed blue. You're in our ring of honor, and you don't. You don't. No. Tony Dungy gets paid to give his honest opinion on NBC. I make far, 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 far less money, and I get paid to give my honest opinion on these airwaves, on this podcast, on our website. And, it, you know, it goes back to, like, the Robert Mathis, Stephen Holder back and forth, you know, with Adam and Terry kicking stuff. Wow. And, you know, Mathis is like, Mathis whatever is like, you didn't believe, we, we always believe, and I kind of want to be like, well, your GM just brought in six kickers to work out, so exactly, you know, it's dude. just like, what do you want him to do? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't work for Colts.com. Like it's it, it's something where I just, I am being honest. The defense has been historically poor. I can point out some of the numbers, Darius, and some of the injuries, aka you not on the field, is a reason why I didn't expect that. Um, I mean, how many people tweeted at you? I had people tweet at me. Definitely people coming at the fan on social media saying, oh, their only hope is to pray this week. It's going to be 77 right. to 14, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden now, when now you're, you know, got a big bark when it's two quarters in and you're playing well, shut up. It's just part of it. I laughed. I just, you know, the last thing I'm, I'm going to do is reply because the minions I know are far greater for Darius Leonard than uh, yeah. good old K-Bone 1070 with his, you know. 20,000 followers. Yeah, it's just um. Anyways. All right, from Chicota. I'm not sure where to submit questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, he submitted here. But what do you think of the Colts fans saying we, quote, need to trade for Stephon Diggs? I know his contract's way too expensive, and they'd probably ask for way too much. But what do you think? I think something that sticks out about Diggs, Joey, is when he came out, Maryland? Yeah, I think Maryland. Um, Not like a crazy explosive athlete. I think that's something that we just got to keep in mind when you're evaluating really any potential sort of um, uh, you know trade acquisition, free agent signing, whatever. Especially at the receiver position, is the athletic traits definitely mean a ton to Chris Ballard and the type of draft capital, the contract it would command, even just seeing how he's acted in Minnesota. Um, I think you would pass on that. Yep. Cool. You got any more? That's all I have. I don't, ma'am. I don't, man. Um, yeah. So, bye week for the Colts. Uh, we'll still have daily content on the website, 1075thefan.com. It doesn't look like the Colts are going to practice or have media availability at all this week um, after today. Uh, Ian Rappaport, by the way, just tweeted, broken ankle for Kamoko Turi. Oh. Season is over. Dang. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, what we saw uh, late in that game looks to have come true. Um, so, we'll have something on that. Uh, on the website, and uh, we gonna have another pod, or are we gonna just take it easy? I don't know. Let me let, let me sleep on it. Um, if not another pod, I think we'll come back Monday and just kind of give a state of the union sort of thing, and then um, you know get back into our Thursday preview of the Texans. But appreciate everyone sending in questions, and, and obviously appreciate um, all of you guys listening and uh, following along on the website as well. It means a lot to us, and the numbers have been great here through the first month or so of the season. So he's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.